0: And welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast on a Saturday morning. This is being recorded at a ripe 736 AM with myself and a friend who has uh, appeared on this podcast several times. And whenever he does it, I don't think we have done an episode, maybe the Silver Bullet episode, but I'm pretty sure we touched upon the Ramones in that one, but the, uh, the consummate uh, yet professional, uh, Mr. Lewis Smith is joining us today.
1: Dude, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here yet again. Um, I sound like Ray Romano's brother. So <laughs> this, this is great, you know, to be able to just fucking roll right into this. And and dude, I'm pretty sure that you are right. Um, I, I think we like touched on in that silver bowl episode. I think we touched on it. Like so, somehow we like meandered our way into like. You know, we brought it up, kind of thing. Like, we started talking about Ramones somewhere in that fucking podcast. But but
0: anyway, thank you for having me back. I'm fucking super jacked to talk about this. Man. Oh, yeah. So today, if you haven't uh, been able to tell, uh, we I am 100% deceiving anyone that is searching this podcast or searching anything CJ and or Richie Ramone related because the title of the episode is Richie and CJ Ramone parenthesized, live and recorded. So that sounds maybe possibly like they're on this show. They unfortunately are not, but, um, we are going to be talking about Richie Ramone and CJ Ramone. Obviously we've covered the Ramones extensively. We covered pretty much their entire discography and the history of the Ramones. Uh, we talked our, our favorite albums, our favorite songs from each album. Uh, I mean we've we we've ran the gamut and it just was not enough so now we are covering two members that are without a doubt vastly uh underappreciated and overlooked sometimes not by us but perhaps our peers and and fellow Ramones fans but uh today we're going to shine some light especially uh you know we meant to we were meaning to do this episode since we had both had a chance to catch CJ Ramone and Richie Ramone this past year I had previously caught in C- or Richie Ramone a few years ago. You had previously uh, caught CJ Ramone a few years ago. And this summer, we we flip-flopped, and you finally saw Richie, and I finally saw CJ. So now this episode is uh, more than merited at this point in time.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I and I think what, what even is way cooler about that is we got to see both of them in, like, what was it? It was, like, like two weeks or a week. Like, it was
0: days, right? Like, we flip-flopped. We saw them. Wasn't fucking... I uh, think CJ was on, like, the 14th Tuesday or 15th. Or it was, like, within, like, a two-week span because we saw CJ in, like, the middle of August and then we saw Richie on the 1st of September.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's... Dude, that's what it was. And, that's, and that, to me, in and of itself, just... The fact that like it was it was my first time seeing Richie, it was your first time seeing CJ, but also because it happened in such a short like the turnaround time was such a, was so short and oh it's kismet. We, we, and we both went to toge- like we went to those shows together like that, I don't know that's just that's that's just wild man. <laughs> that's
0: great. You I know? mean especially doing being able to say like obviously you and I being the biggest Ramones fans that each other know and being able to say hey within a two week span together we went to uh, a CJ show and then a Richie show and saw those songs played live and, and we were able to enjoy the music once again by guys that were in the band. And I mean, helped write some of the songs and, and were there and, and are a part of that history and our Ramones, despite what anybody says, anybody with a wig, um, <laughs> Marky shot, boom. Um, vulture, man. uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it was super. Uh, it was super important as far as like my music uh, show going um, career, if if that's uh, the way to put it. Um, because they are, you know, you're talking about three of the last surviving members of the band, and we have recently, you know, we've saw two. I've seen Marky, but he was playing with the Misfits, so I haven't really seen a Marky set but for some reason these two shows were super important to uh, to see and and we're gonna we're gonna dive right into it so talk about the first time that you saw CJ you saw him in Vermont right
1: yeah so he played up in Vermont at higher ground and he played in like their little lounge area which isn't little it's it's a it's a pretty decent sized room um if I were to like compare it to anything, I would say it, it's 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 semi comparable to like Lost Horizon minus like the little pit area in front of the stage. Okay. Like it's it's a, it's a room basically, um, you know, bar in the back, etc. But um, the set was fantastic. Uh, he he, obviously, like he went on and played like an amazing set that feature predominantly, like, you know, Ramon's covers. He did... It was on that American Beauty tour, um, so that was kind of the the material that he was playing from his original repertoire. Um, It was really interesting, because I had a moment, I know I've told you about this, but there was a moment when he was, like, kind of calling out to the audience, which I will... uh, Here's another thing. It was sparsely populated, so there was maybe maybe 30, 40 people that had showed up. And it's a pretty big room. You definitely could have put like 150, maybe 175 people in there. So it wasn't a packed show, but it, it was super intimate. And there was one point when he called out to, to the audience, the members being like, hey, he's like, what do you guys want to hear? And I was like, play The Crusher. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to play that. And like at, the, at that moment, it was like, it was a little heartbreaking because I'm like, fuck dude like (laughs) i have this guy you know that i fucking worshipped in a band that i've worshipped and
0: uh i'm like you know straight up being told like shut i'm shut down at that point oh yeah but but um so the the sets played
1: etc he gets off stage um during their last song he's like hey you know anyone wants to do shots i'm gonna be at the bar we're gonna sign shit whatever like he was super humble Um, I got to meet him. We took a shot together. And I had said to him, like, I was like, hey. I was like, so I was the asshole that said, uh, you know, play The Crusher. And he explained it. And I thought it was interesting. Um, I can't remember if we brought this up on the other podcast, but I don't give a shit. I'm just going to say it again. Um, He explained. He's like, you know what? He's like, I like playing Ramon songs from a time period that I wasn't part of. And I would be... I would like to see other people, if they cover Ramon's songs, to cover the songs that I wrote or helped Penn when I was in the band. So that's that was kind of his explanation. I I found that to be a, I could live with that. Yeah, that's you know, that's more like,
0: than acceptable and understandable for sure.
1: Right. He didn't like straight up snubby being like, You're a dickhead, I'm not gonna fucking play that song, you know. But um but dude, the set was great, high energy um, he was beardless at that time, or relatively beardless. Okay, he had some stubbly going on, but not like you know, old man CJ like he's looking now. Um, but uh, but no, he was he was super humble. Um, you know, I had I had like a uh, I had a patch that I had bought at the New York State Fair, fucking at least fifteen years ago. That was a um, you, you remember like. Back towards uh, like State fair, State Fair Boulevard, there was like they were, they put up like tents and shit. Um, it was at the very edge of the fair.
0: Oh yeah, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. So there there was like there was like
1: a. Uh like a music tent, like a rock and roll music. I don't know what the fuck you'd call it, but it was just like rock band t-shirts and like patches and it was just random shit. So I, I just found that in there and it was a, it was a nineties era, uh, Ramones patch. So CJ's name was on there and you know, I had him sign it in like silver fucking pen or, you know, silver permanent marker. Of course that like absorbed into the fabric, you know, into the fabric of the patch. So you can't even fucking see it. But, um, the set was dope, man. A lot of shit off the first three records. Um, at one point, he did end up playing Outsider, which was insane because I ran into his cousin at the bar, who was like from Vermont or something. Like he literally would shock, man. Like you, know, you could tell he's <laughs> like, oh, so you know, you go to the store maybe a few times, you know, a year. Like you don't get out a lot, right. kind of guy. But we ended up talking bullshit at the bar because we were singing the song together. When he's like CJ's like oh I was dedicated to my cousin um, and I was just I thought it was cool you know you know him playing a, a song from an era we both love um, obviously but dude the, the set was great um, it was fantastic awesome time too
0: yeah I remember uh, you texting me because I believe it was like at that point I think you were texting me like you had sent me the picture with uh, you and CJ like at like 1130 or something like that, like that night. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, uh, I was like, where the fuck did you see him? And you told me Vermont. And I was like, Oh damn. Um, but yeah, that is, and that's a totally just going back to like his reasonings for not wanting to play, like say anything from Mono Bizarro or like Adios Amigos. Um, did he play any covers that from the acid eaters album?
1: Sort of looking it up uh, off the top of my head, I mean, he did the typical covers like he played. I'm pretty sure he did California. like he did the Ramones covers um, from from early like their earlier releases. I, you know, I can't say if he did any like covers from that album. I don't believe that he did. If memory serves me correct. Um, I don't think he did, which was interesting because I would even I could almost see him playing like. I don't know, like take it easy, you know, or something like that, you know, that fucking Doors cover, you know.
0: Yeah. Um. Actually, uh, you know, when when we saw him in August, I was I was uh, surprised and uh, pleasantly surprised to hear him do the CCR cover. Have you ever seen the rain?
1: Yeah, that was dude. That was great. <laughs> that
0: was great. Yeah, honestly, that was probably one of the best renditions of that song because I've heard that song covered. I'm sure you have so many times. That was probably one of the coolest renditions I've ever heard. Like, hearing, obviously, we love the Ramones cover, but, like, hearing him and his band do it, it was, like, it was really cool. He, th- that's one thing I really enjoy about, but I,
1: I, you know, both him and Richie, but with CJ, like, I don't know, he has, like, such a, he has such a great voice, and, and I know in those records that he, he did with the Ramones, specifically, um, specifically Monte Pizarro and, and, and obviously, um, uh, Adios Amigos, like, I think he has great backing and his leads are strong and I don't know he's a very unique sounding guy I think he sounds kind of like old school like rock and roll folky whatever you however you want to spin his voice Um, he sounds great and, and you're right, like, he did a great fucking cover of that CCR song, you know, that everybody's fucking covered. Everybody, oh, yeah. every fucking, every punk band, every fucking, you know, cover, rock cover band, fucking whatever, And they've all done it. He
0: fucking crushed it. Now, I remember, I remember listening to, like, the, the Bad Chopper, like, uh, like 7 Inches, not having the 7 Inches, but listening to him on the, the early, uh, the early, my early internet, uh, phases. Um, and then I know Bad Chopper put out like a full length, but I was, I was so happy like in, you know, whatever it was, 2012 when, uh, Reconquista came out. Uh, and you know, he actually pursued a solo career. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, he is wrapped up. The Holy Spell, which came out last year, or this past year, is his uh, final Herat's his final record. And I think he's going to do shows, but as far as the big tours go, you know, we caught one of the last big American tours um, from CJ this past tour when we just saw him. And, and he's... Um, He's about wrapping it up, like you said. It's funny to see, especially when you have like a, the image of CJ in your head. He's the young Ramon, and it's 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 almost like uh, it's almost uh, bizarre to see him with a big gray beard in his fifties now. Like, oh shit, this was the kid of the Ramones, and now he's an old man. Right. You know, CJ's older now than Joey was when he died, and when I think he's older now than almost as I think he's older. He's Johnny's age now. When that from when Johnny died.
1: Was Johnny f- fifty-seven? 50,
0: when he died? 54 or fifty-five? Yeah. I think. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, I knew they were under sixty, but that's dude. That's
0: wild. That's and jo- wild Joey died at forty-nine. You know, yeah. Uh, yep. Month or month month and a little like a month and a few days shy of his fiftieth birthday. Old fucking Tommy
1: Hungarian fucking rat man fucking lived to be in his what
0: seventies or some shit. I I know just like all those like potatoes he was cutting up, making Dee Dee <laughs> jealous, fucking just preserved them.
1: Well, he could just make put together a meal and it's like he's <laughs> an adult and everything.
0: I wanted to do that.
1: <laughs> so, dude, so what? Did, so what? What were your like impressions? Because like I really, I, I obviously want to talk to you specifically about that your experience seeing cj but also after we talk about like how you felt about the show like i want to hear your hot take on sharkies in
0: liverpool and just oh the, the boat point, vip you mean you're,
1: you're one of the funniest dudes i know and like i just want to hear you describe like paint the picture of that entire like just what the fuck that like we both walked into you know, like, hey, we're seeing CJ, but there's all this other shit going on simultaneously <laughs> at the, you know, this night. You know, so think so dude, so what do you think? How how, how is uh, how did CJ meet, meet or exceed expectations in a live sense for you?
0: So, I mean, we saw him. I believe it was a Wednesday night, or, or was it a Tuesday? Either way. Um. So we get there. You're driving in from Albany. I, I had just arrived there. And I shot you a text, and uh, I was just like, hey, like, because there was tiered tickets for this show, too. So mm-hmm. there was, like, the, I think, like, a, I want to say, like, what did we pay for our tickets? Were they 25
1: Yeah, we,
0: we like, got a, like, a, a $20 ticket was, like, you couldn't go behind the roped seating area. But mind you, okay, so the... It, it's so hard to, like, we'll, we'll get into the tickets and stuff. But anyway, the, the mid-level tier ticket that we bought in, in you know, gave us the opportunity to actually go to the free meet-and-greet of CJ. So if you paid that extra $5, you got to meet CJ before the show. Mind you, the guy isn't, you know, he isn't Elton John or Billy Joel. Like, he's literally, like, hanging out after the show anyway. He was literally had, you know... He was towering Bud Lights waiting for people to walk up to him after the show. So, so anyway, I was pumped because I didn't know, like, you know, he's a he's a grizzled young vet. Well, grizzled old vet now, but he's not trying to... Like, if I was that age, I don't... I mean, I probably would because I would just, like, love the interaction with just people as far as, like, being fans of music and, and my music. But, uh, I mean part of me thought like, okay, he's probably not going to be hanging around. Like his joints are probably hurting. Probably. He's probably about eight or nine Bud Light limes in. Like, he isn't going to want to fuck with this. Like, so I was just like, well, I definitely got to go to this. You know, I got the, the, the $5 extra ticket. Like I, I got to go there. So I actually found out about that though, like five minutes before Bridget and I left the compound here. And I was just like, Cause I wasn't sure if I'd get a chance to like actually interact with them and and have them sign something. So immediately the first thing I did was just like, okay, I didn't know what if Sharky's like security was gonna be like dicks or anything like that. Uh, so I was just like, okay, I won't bring the Mono Bizarro poster. I won't roll up in there with a with a with a poster tube, looking like I'm delivering the flowers from Terminator 2, like. But I was like, I was like, but I, I'll bring the 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 VHS CD uh, box, the like cardboard box that holds the We're Out of Here last live show box set. I'll bring that to sign because that's cool, and that's kind of like CJ's gimmick too. Like you know the Rat Fink, uh, you know guy on the front. Like I was like that'd be cool to have him sign. So I brought that. Because I literally was about to ready to walk out the door, and Bridget's like, "Oh, apparently there's a fucking meet and greet," and I was like, "Okay, perfect." And and, and part of me, you know, part of you know, right below the the ball sack, I'm having like a little pain now thinking about this <laughs> sick Mondo Bizarro poster I have that CJ didn't sign. I'm like, Motherfuck But regardless, I have the, I got, the, I, I lined up. Of course, no one at Sharky's knows what the fuck's going on. Mind you, the people that run the place and work there, they have no clue. So, anyway, we line up in this line. Uh, CJ finally rolls down. Uh, people are going through. He's, he's super nice. He's just sitting at like a fold-out, you know, Ames table. Like, nothing <laughs> nothing special. He's just sitting there. He's signing stuff. I just, you know, I, I, I try not to punish guys as much as I possibly can because, one, I, I, it'd be easy for me to embarrass myself in front of a Ramon. Like, and I'm a pretty confident cat. Like I'm like usually like pretty cool, but like at the same time, like I'm meeting a fucking Ramon. Like, I don't care what anybody says. If someone doesn't consider CJ Ramon, like, you know, the last seven years of their touring, they toured more in the last seven years than they did the previous 10 years before he was in the band. So do we really want to talk about like being a road dog and keeping the band alive, taking on vocal duties, writing songs? You know, I could go on and on about what CJ actually provided for that fucking band. Um, so if anybody doesn't think CJ Ramone or Richie Ramone, for that matter, uh, isn't a real Ramone, uh, DM me. I will give you my address and, and and I would love to punch you in the mouth. But regardless, yes. Walk uh you know, walk in. Uh, Bridget's just standing there, ready to take the picture. She's like, "Oh my god, another one of these fucking." You know, she's been all all the horror conventions with me, so she's been there when. And I don't punish people like when I go, like I I meet Pinhead Doug Bradley. I'm not trying to be like, dude, would you ever sell a fucking pin from your fucking? Would you ever do it, dude? Like, cause that dude gets it. You know, he gets hammered with that. He's like, ah, "How much into?" You know, you know, S and M. Are you actually, man? Like, he's just like an older British guy that like loves Motorhead and is just trying to fucking like make some money. And and he is nice to his fans and stuff. But at the same time, like, he gets the fucking weirdos. Like, dude, what year did you lose all your hair? Like, just the weirdest fucking like interactions ever. So I just, you know, hey man, nice to meet you. Uh, pleasure. I hope you have a good day. Like uh so it was pretty much the same thing I, I you know roll up to CJ's table and uh give him a, the old handshake and uh you know I was like hey man thanks uh, thanks for everything new records killer and he was just like, yeah, 21 days 21 days straight in the studio for this fucking thing and uh and that was pretty much it. He signed my stuff and he shook shook my hand I told him to have a good show. He's like, yeah man I hope you have fun like he it was just super nice like, and like I said, I wasn't trying to be there to punish him, and, and it was summertime, too, and I wish, like, I'm a pretty vain person, too, so, of course, in the in the photo, it looks like someone hooked a fucking hot air hose up to my ass and blew my fat <laughs> ass up, because I literally look like if CJ took his arm off me, I'd float the fuck away. <laughs> but re- Dude, that's a good picture. That's a yeah, good picture. But, but regardless... Uh, it looks like I literally just fucking killed seven barb. It looked like I'm coming off a ben- food bender. Look, looks like I left eight pig roasts on Pine Ridge Road. <laughs> I left the fucking, the, like, the Balkville Fair of pig roasts, and I just left. Yo, you, you, you've
1: been living at Ponderosa and O'Reilly
0: for <laughs> life. <please. laughs> exactly. Extra gravy on them mashed taters. But, um, but regardless... Um, yes, it was, and it was, it was so cool to see him, uh, at that venue because you couldn't have written like one, the set was really cool. It was a really good set. The band is soup was super tight and, uh, and, uh, it was just, uh, it was a great atmosphere, obviously like to be able to just stand next to your friends, like, cause obviously we had a couple other friends there too. Uh, to be able to stand next to your friends and, and sing Ramon songs, like, it, it's cool. It's fucking cool. And to he, his set, obviously, we know my thoughts on him not playing Strength to Endure. Really wish that would have happened. I actually, in hindsight now, I probably should have said something to him when I met him. I'm like, listen, I know it's probably, and it's not in the set list. You yeah, haven't been playing the last few cities. But can I can I do anything to sweeten the fucking pot here? Can we get fucking strength to endure slipped in? And I, you ain't got to pull out like an old song, but I, I understand like he probably played that song from like 1992 to 1994, every single or 1996, every single show for like four or five years. But enough times passed, man. And he, I think he played it for when he, you saw him in Vermont. Um,
1: his uh yeah i i believe you are correct about that his um his setup there um i think that was like one of i'm trying to think now i'm probably gonna end up looking it up but i think that was like one of maybe one other song from that era that he did play but i'm trying to think i think that was the only one
0: from that time frame and uh but it, regardless, it was, it was really cool to hear songs like, especially like to hear some songs that like, you'd never think that CJ would like pull out to play. Like, uh, although like his backing vocals were like so memorable on like, uh, you know, uh, Bonzo goes to Bitburg, you know, back in the live shows when they were all still alive. But like to hear him sing that song, like that was like a standout, like song from his set. At that Liverpool show, um, and it was just uh, it was a, it was a really cool set, and it was a lot of fun. It was just everyone was having a good time, you know. There was no bullshit. There's no like fighting or anything like that. Like, I mean, I feel like I mean, are you really gonna fist fight someone like after you just heard "I Want to Be Your Boyfriend" like three songs ago? Like, probably not. But I mean, maybe back in like the '80s, like there was a little more testosterone. But they also weren't playing "I Want to Be Your Boyfriend" in the eighties, <laughs> right? But it was it was cool for like you know to hear him play like some of those older tracks off the first three records, and then you know to hear like the standout tracks and the "I Want to Be Sedated" and and all that stuff. So it was a it was really cool. It was a lot of fun, and it was just. Uh... But the venue, I feel like the kookiness of the venue just made it feel like it was the fucking mental hospital from psychotherapy. <laughs> because we roll up there, big, huge stage. The stage is facing towards, like, the road, because this is an outdoor venue. Mind you, that's something we haven't mentioned yet. We saw this was an outdoor venue in which we saw C J. Right. So this big, huge stage, the front of the stage with the big fucking, like, Bud Light banner that they, that they had on there and all this shit is facing this way. But there's a fucking cornhole tournament going on in the front of the stage. So obviously being really making sure they don't lose their buck anywhere inside, they had fucking trivia night. So they got trivia night inside in front of the stage where the band's supposed to be facing and the show's supposed to be, where all the room for the people to be is are, is designated. They have a motherfucking cornhole tournament going on. Literally. And not just like two cornhole stations. Legit like 18 cornhole stations. Dude, there were thirty-six
1: people throwing beanbags yeah. at fucking holes <laughs> of wood, and dude, not to mention that in the front, inside
0: the other, the front of the venue and the other side of the venue, there's a fucking volleyball tournament. Yeah, there's we had a volleyball all tournament all
1: too. <laughs> this is all happening at the same time, so like, I know you had gotten there, you know half hour 45 minutes before I did whatever I roll in and I just see movement there's just there's fucking beanbags there's volleyballs it's just there's noise and people fucking everywhere dude it was chaos and at first I'm like when I roll in with my brother I'm like holy shit dude like this is crazy like wow Syracuse fucking showed up and then it's like we're walking up and I'm just like there's a lot of people standing in front of the stage playing fucking Cornhole right now (laughs) Um, so this is a little weird Uh, I figured we'd be standing right in front of the stage nope Uh, yeah dude it was a it was a bizarre ass fucking setup and dude and not only that but I love how they 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 made the tiered ticketing system but it was like there was chairs from like a banquet facility like those were the seats in front of the side stage combined with like the weird shitty like it was like bailing twine like you would you would like put together a bale of hay with the ropes like they weren't real ropes separating
0: the sections yeah they literally whatever. turned everything on the stage to stage right like the right side of the stage stage yeah. right and they just played off the side of the stage Which is fine. Which is fine. It was uh, it it accommodated for what it was worth, and it made the show, I think, a little even cooler, albeit kookier. Um, altogether ooky. If you're an Adams family, uh, Adams family mark. But uh, but a tiered ticketing price of twenty dollars, you don't get behind the bailing twine. Twenty five dollars, you do get to sit in the the fake velvet. Banquet seats that are four rows deep And then there's a big space Between the fucking The stage and the bailing twine um, the, the fucking rusty rail uh, <laughs> So And then If you wanted the luxurious $50 ticket oh. You could stand On the boat It was a boat VIP ticket Watch the show from the boat Mind you The fucking An Onondaga Lake, I couldn't, you know, John Elway couldn't fucking hit it, like, with a football fucking... It's forever away. So, the boat is sitting on grass, and when I say... I use the term boat lightly.
1: Dude, that's, that's loose, loose
0: boat. That motherfucker capsized back when Reagan was in office. It fucking... Literally had about six layers of fucking algae on it. One's been outlawed in fucking 36 of the continental states. It's sitting in, you know, probably half a football's field away from the front of the stage, in which the band isn't even facing, so you wouldn't even see any part of the band at all if you were on the VIP $50 ticket boat seating. I was just like cuz honestly I was just like do I like when we were buying tickets I I remember texting you I was like hey I just grabbed my ticket so it's there's three different tiers of tickets I just got the $25 ones cuz it said like you know value or they had like the value seat and then the premium seat and then the VIP boat seat and I was just like I don't know what the fucking VIP boat seat is I ain't trying to be like sitting restrained on a boat anyway like I'll get the $25 ticket. Like, and, you know, I'll probably be as close to the stage as I possibly can with that. Not knowing that a boat that's literally sitting on land. Like, were they bringing, like, pictures of fucking, like, Fruitopia over there? Like, what was even fucking going on? No one was, no one fell for the fucking $50 VIP boat ticket, though, because not one person was on there. Dude, that thing
1: was all fucking lopsided. Like, you
0: know, <laughs> it they, wasn't like, even <laughs> presentable in the least.
1: <laughs> Did you know they like backed that boat in, and like some guy was like, "Fuck it, I'm just leaving it here," and they're and Sharky's like. Well, you know, we can uh, we can try to capitalize on this uh, in some way, shape, or form. There's like weeds all growing behind it. Like there's there's probably like all sorts of bugs and shit in there. Like it was not it was not well kept. Like I, I'm sure they do that every show. They're like, oh, you know, we have the VIP boat. Um, you know, it's a little bit more expensive, and they hope like they that's the reason that they would go and clean that shit up is if somebody paid money for the boat, but so far, no one fucking has since that place has been open. And you know that when Sharky's, like purchased that property, like the owner, the boat came with the venue. Oh like, yeah, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, it capsized in the Reagan era. Um, they they haul it there during the Clinton administration, and it just is set there. You know, and we're talking like first term Clinton era. You know that that boat's just been chilling there, looking like shit, taking up space, and uh, no one's falling for it. So. Yeah, dude. Just what a a kooky I think is is the is the right word for that fucking show,
0: dude. So I think at some point, I think we should just live podcast and call up Sharkies if they have those VIP boat tickets. Talk to the manager and see what and see see what the VIP boat ticket entails. (laughs) Like here, oh oh, our waiters Fred and Janice will be bringing out fried pickles to the VIP boat section. Fried
1: pickles. I like how fried pickles. It's not like it's not like chicken wings or like mox sticks.
0: No, it'd be fried fucking pickles. (laughs) Fried pickles.
1: Oh fuck, dude. Okay, so so now that you put that out into the fucking ether, we uh, we need to do that. But we like that. If if, if the one thing I will ask, like, I want to be there in person when we do.
0: Oh, for sure. Because like, okay, all right, dude. That's
1: perfect. Wonderful. I love it. Love it,
0: but regardless, yeah, seeing CJ, it was it was it was really awesome, and because he's so personable too, being able to like, because after the show, obviously you were you were running behind because you were trucking your ass from Albany and then picked your brother up, um, you you know, but you were able to walk right up to him, and I like how you sent your brother, you're like, go get that CD booklet from the car now, (laughs) he's like, okay. Well, like, it was, dude, it was one
1: of those things where, like, because I, like, wasn't 100% sure, like, I had to go pick his ass up at my parents, and the fucking goofballs take forever to get ready, and he's like, he's like, I don't know what I should wear, like, he's, you know, he's a fucking frat kid college boy, you know, he's a great, he's a great guy, I fucking love him, but he's a fucking goof sometimes, and he's like, he's upstairs, like, getting, like, quote, unquote, getting ready. Mind you, this this asshole's had fucking all day to get ready, and it's like, my ass is flying and from Albany. The idea is I'm going to swoop by, text you, I'm in the driveway, and you're going to fucking come run out to the car. We're going to
0: leave. A total of 16 seconds in theory.
1: Just about. Like there shouldn't even be enough time for the oil from my car to drip onto the fucking like driveway, you know? It's that quick. So I I, I pull up. I think I even called him when I got off the throughway in Canastota. I'm like, hey, I was like, I'm 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 off the room in Kansas State. I'm like, I'm like 15 minutes away, whatever. Like, will you be ready? He's like, oh, you know, I gotta get in the shower or some shit. It's like, motherfucker, it's like, <laughs> it's like five in the afternoon. Like, what do you mean get in the shower? Like, <laughs> okay. I, I fucking, I roll up and he's like, still, he's like, dude, just come in, I'm getting ready. I I, I go inside, I'm talking with my mom and my stepdad, you know, we're just kind of bullshitting. The motherfucker walks to the edge of the loft and he's got like, I think he's got like fucking like... He, he's got, like, tan fucking, like, pant, like, cargo pants on with with flip-flops and, like, a fucking, I don't even know, like, some dumb frat shirt, or it, nothing against whatever, but he, he just, in, in a backwards hat or whatever, I'm like, Christian, I'm like, I'm not gonna be that guy that's like, yo, just put on something else, but, like just fucking put on something else man like <laughs> anything else anything else so like he's he, i hear him in his room he's like dude i got a i got a jean vest or some i don't know i got a vest and I was like, all right, just put it on and it's like I mean, you saw it. It's like fucking some American flag painted yeah. <laughs> fucking jean vest. And I was like, I saw it, I was like, All right, well you gotta wear that now. Like, that's coming with us, you know. <laughs> but uh but yeah, dude, so so I didn't I was totally unaware of the breakdown and how this was all gonna work. So when I saw him just kinda he was accessible after the show, like you said, I sent Christian a media. I'm like, dude, I was like, go. I was like, there's in the middle console. I've got my CDs, the shit I'm listening to right now in the car. I was like, there's there's an album in there, Mondo Bizarro. The, the cover is a little weird looking. I was like, Johnny thought it was terrible album cover. I was like, go and get it um, and I'll have him sign it. And, uh, fucking, and that was another like weird like thing about that show is I didn't have a permanent marker to have him sign my shit. So, like, even when I was like, hey, can I get a picture? Thank you for the show. Like, that whole rigmarole. um, No fucking permanent marker available, like, to have him sign it. And it was just that weird, awkward, like, moment where he was like, no, I don't have one. And I was like, ah, fuck. Like, I know you want to get out of Liverpool, New York. Like, I don't want to keep you here any longer. You've already went to Hyde's earlier, so you basically have seen everything you can to see in fucking Liverpool, New York.
0: Oh, that's it. You've seen it all. Lights on the lake isn't even up yet. You're ready
1: to get the fuck out of there. You know, that would be maybe another like 20 minutes that you'd stick around to maybe drive by, but like, nah, you've already, like I said, you already went to hide. So I didn't get in, I didn't get a chance to have him sign that, although it was there and I had it like in my fucking hands. Um, but yeah, he was, he was kind enough afterwards and you know, he took the photo with me and all that and I thanked him and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I could tell, dude, they were looking to get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, they did not want to be in there any longer. And that's what I found was was kind of weird to me is I, I couldn't believe, and I was talking with Dog Party, because um, I had asked them, I was like, oh, you got, I wish you guys took the tour to fucking Albany. Like, I know that there was a handful of venues that they could that a promoter could have put you in, and you would have had a different turnout. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because the, obviously the scene here and the scene there is a little different. Um but like I just and they were like, Oh, we actually stayed in Albany last night, like the night before they came into Syracuse. So it was like, ah, motherfuckers, you guys could have stopped here. Like, no excuse, you know? Drop the ball, Albany, fucking weirdos, promoters. Jay Crack, you dropped the ball, bro. Um But uh but yeah, I, I, I could definitely tell they were look they were itching to fucking leave Syracuse in their fucking rear view, you know.
0: Right. So, um so yeah overall it was uh it was awesome to see Richie uh or see, see, see Cj rather um yeah, my first time your second um but I I guess you know we'll move on to uh to Richie I'd caught Richie at the lost here locally uh back in 2014 February and uh uh you know super nice afterwards like literally he played like a fucking awesome set, like a uh, great list of songs, classic Ramon songs, a lot from his era, uh, some covers, uh, some of his stuff that was on his Untitled record at that point, or Entitled record, rather, um, and uh, it was a great set, and I, I've told you about it a million times, and uh, about how great it was, and how like immediately he literally beelined for the, for the merch, and then just started signing people's stuff, and was super nice. So I was excited that you were finally going to see him because our love for Richie uh runs deep and we've, you know, we've discussed it a million times uh on this podcast about how much we love and appreciate Richie. Um and you know, I appeared on that Ramone's podcast, uh, Ramone's of the day, and they were uh even like I they had not encountered someone that was a Richie diehard the way like say you or I are Richie Diehard. So even to them it was like uh it was outer space for how much uh, I loved Richie or, or you know, anybody like us that would love Richie and they are out there but they're they're few and far between, especially uh as the years go on. Uh but, you know, I was obviously excited I we I drove out uh your way and we departed from Albany to see to catch Richie in Worcester. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, another amazing venue that I had not been to yet.
1: Dude, how cool is Ralph's Rock
0: Diner? Amazing, one of the best venues ever. If I was going to form a, if I was going to start a venue from the ground up, I don't think I could do it better than what Ralph's is. So, so it's it's
1: I, I just very very briefly because again, you are the master of setting the scene and painting a picture like. I need to hear your hot take on this venue, like rolling up to the venue. Cause like the same thing for me when I went there, cause the first time I went there was actually, I'd only been there, I think maybe once or twice prior or twice, yeah, it was twice. I had been there twice prior to this. I believe at that point it was um, a queer show, right? Queer, queers and uh teenage ball rocket I saw out there. And I immediately T- TBR was the first show I saw there and it, same thing. After the first time, I was just like, wow, I fucking love this venue. This is one of the coolest places I've ever fucking been. Like, it's – I can't so, – so I want to hear your hot take on it briefly, just describing this fucking
0: venue. So we literally – Richie couldn't have picked a better time to – so we roll in. We, there's a, we roll in, like, a, honestly, like a perfect time. We, we go grab some grub, um, and then we head over. And we go on – this show is booked the same night as the Terminator double feature that's being shot on the the building next to it outside of Ralph's. So there's like a movie – they do movie nights there. So we're walking down this, like, alley. It literally looks like we're walking up to the Double Deuce and Roadhouse. And it's completely dark. It's with two buildings literally, like, down, like, a wide driving driveway gravel. Like, alley, and back in it sits Ralph's, where there's no real signage that you can see. There's no, like, nice, beautiful neon sign. There's like, a little, like, red, dimly lit Ralph's diner. Like, so we walk in there, of course, uh, as fate would have it, of Terminator double features upon us. So I'm like, oh, my God, could we even ask for anything cooler? So roll up in there. There's, like, the outside literally looks like, you know, like half a pole barn got took down. There's like cement slabs. People are just like smoking their cigs there. People are just chilling. So we walk in and then there's the diner portion where it's an actual diner in the front. There's no real lighting anywhere in the entire venue, which is amazing, which I love because I'm not a fan of lights. So there's no real lighting. The diner literally looks like it's uh you know, they're shooting like, you know, tales from the crypt episode three from season four in there right now. We walk. We walk in. We pass the bar. We go down like three little steps into like another bar area. There's a fucking WCW NWO ninety N64 Revenge in arcade form, which I've never seen sitting there because I was like, "Oh my fucking god, this is amazing!" Literally walk down to like the end of this bar. There's a guy sitting on a stool. You know, stamps our hands to, to see our fucking, our ticket or whatever. Uh, they had electric scanning ticket. I didn't even think they scanned our electric scan ticket. They just looked at it. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay. He, they
1: crossed their names off on a list. Yeah. like he, he knew everyone who bought it online. Yeah. Like, he's just like, who bought the tickets? I was like, ah, it's Smith. And he's like, all right, you guys are good. Stamp the hand. Walk upstairs <laughs> fucking quick.
0: So... Yeah, walk up, you know, super punk rock stairway, stickers everywhere, dirty, dingy, just how I like it. We get up there. There's a fucking neon time to fuck sign at the bar. There's like weird, it literally looked like, I don't even know, like a spider baby, not a spider baby, a big, huge, like, I don't even know, like lumberjack man fucking type thing that looks like it's outside of Joel's Steakhouse. <laughs> There's like a fucking like a bicycle. there's like a skeleton. It's all shit just hanging from the ceiling. It was literally like the most amazing venue like of all time.
1: The way I describe it is a, like it's it's the like upstairs storage attic. Of like the accumulation of about thirty-five years worth of like you know CHS's fucking like drama department, just like exactly. weird drops and fucking. There's like a giant eyeball. Like it, it, it is li- like weird signs. Apart from the neon time to fuck sign, just weird like the metal signs, like shit they've they've just acquired throughout the fucking years, and it, it's it is strange. But it's um it's at the same time like the. The fucking appeal you know there there definitely is there's a charm to it because it puts you kind of in that mode and everyone there for the most part like between between the three shows that i've i've been to um as far as like the people who go there like the the, the people who are attracted to the show maybe it's you know the uh the citizens of fucking massachusetts and or fucking Wormtown. um it's, everyone seems to be pretty cool. You know, There, I haven't run into any douchebags, you know, knock on wood yet. Um, but everyone seems to be fucking cool. So, so anyway, I'll let you, I'll let you continue. Um, if you had anything else to contribute about the venue, because I definitely want to talk about like his set and how it compared to when you saw him in Syracuse and um, you know, how he sounded and all that stuff,
0: you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, the venue is just amazing. And like I said, we, so we roll up to the merch, you know. We're like the first people there to buy merch. We're we're gonna get loaded up now, so we ain't gotta worry about it after the show. Uh, so we load up. We probably drop over a hundred between the two of us. Uh, and uh, you know, had the, he already had like pre signed posters there, which was smart. Um, but yeah, and then I mean, how uh, you know? We're, we'll jump right into it. What was your being able to see Richie? and see the set that he played, you know, good kind of go through, you know, your thoughts and feelings on, on seeing this, this Richie set. I, I think I just said CJ, but, uh, uh, but yeah, seeing this Richie set and finally seeing Richie. So it was, it was surreal. Um, it, it,
1: it was really weird to me that every member, I think besides Tommy and we'll say maybe Mark, um, I don't know about John. I think he's mid-level, but, um, Everyone's a fucking monster. They're all tall as fuck, dude. They're, they're, they're huge. So to see him in person on stage, not only towering over the audience, but switching between singing lead vocals, front, front man style, and then going behind the drums and singing frontman style multiple times throughout the the set was incredible uh i i don't think i've ever seen anything like that in general he he had fucking high energy the entire time um for for a guy that's definitely well into his 50s maybe even yeah i think he's i
0: think he's at this point i think he's in his early 60s i think he's 61 or 62
1: okay um i mean just tireless you know, and as far as like the song selection, um, I, I fuck it. So, chasing the night. I know we've talked about this a little bit. That that's one of my fave like tracks. One of I use that term very loosely, but to to have him sing that, play drums at the same like it was just it was wonderful to be able to see that. And and what I also like too is he didn't stray away from like getting directly into the audience's face um, for, for, for especially when he obviously when he was you know front manning it um, and just doing vocals um, he was feeding off the audience's energy which that that's one thing now having seen CJ twice um, he didn't because he's playing bass at the same time, right? It's a little—it's a little difficult for him to fucking like, you know, play the bass with one hand, take the mic with the other, and fucking do like a Henry Rollins thing where he's like screaming in someone's fucking eyes, you know? Like he can't do that shit. Um, but but Richie, for 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 a man in his sixties, uh, you know, a, a, a Ramon, like to see him do that shit, hand off the mic, um, you know, and let let people kind of take the vocals. Like it's just fucking. It was unreal. It was it was just creepy to see him singing over us. Like it was it was amazing, dude. It was so great. One dude, like one of the best shows, fucking uh, just in general, just that I've ever been to. Like it's fucking easily, easily top ten, fucking best performances, man. Just high energy the whole fucking time, and he brought it. The dude kicked through his bass drum at one point yep. and fucking repair it on stage. Like holy fuck, man talk about energy high fucking energy the whole time it
0: was amazing and i i know we had talked about it like i think like walking out of the venue like we had kind of just mentioned it to each other but uh you know i'd be you know morally remiss if we didn't mention that there was there was like i mean the whole entire set was special and honestly i think it was better than his syracuse set um but there was um You know, and that's something that impressed me too. Was uh, going back and forth between singing and playing drums, and then being the front man and having keeping that same energy, especially you know now being sixty two years old. Um, But uh, like I said, I'd be morally remiss if I didn't mention that the the it was a special song hearing "I Want to Live." And him, like, singing, you know, getting the mic right to you and I and us being able to sing that with, like, you and I sung I Want to Live with Richie Ramone. Like, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we're being, like, marks, but we are for the for the Ramones. We we truly are. So being able to have that, that was such a special song for that set. And it was such a special moment to be able to, you and I have been friends for a long, long time, and, like, have bonded slowly through, like, the Ramones, like, so much. And it's, like I said, we can't even talk about a fucking Silver Bullet without bringing up the Ramones. Um, So, and, and not Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band, the, the 1985 <laughs> Stephen King adaptation Silver Bullet, that is. Uh, So being able to see that and experience that and be a part of singing I Want to Live with Richie Ramone that was, like, so fucking cool and so fucking special, and it was just, it was the highlight of the show for me.
1: Well, he definitely, um, and, and like I said, when he was going going back and forth and, and handing the mic off, he definitely targeted where we were standing specifically for that song, because, like you said, it's like we sang that with him, and I know, like, I know some people, even Ramones fans in general, might be like, you know, dude, that's cool, but, like, that was fucking badass. Like, that was amazing. Yeah. Because, because it, it was it was awesome. I think I said this when we were in the car, even. Or maybe you, maybe, I believe you're correct, too, even when we were walking to the vehicle. But, like, it, it's cool to see a guy like that, appreciative, and just smiling. You know, watching us sing it. It's like, motherfucker, it's like, we're here because of you, we're here because of the band, you know, all that shit. But, like, it was just, it was intense. That was an intense set from start to fucking finish. It was an intense set, and being able to sing that, like, with him, it was fucking incredible.
0: Dude. It was incredible. And he just, like, he played, like, everything I think I wanted to hear I heard from him, you know? Can't say anything nice, you know, Chasing the Night, Howling at the Moon. Uh, I mean, he and then, you know, playing, like, you know, The Hats, Blitzkrieg, b- Bop. Uh, I, I, he just literally hit, like, everything that you would want to hear. And plus everything that you would want to hear from like his era too, like he just, you you know, uh, I it was just it was it was it was really fucking cool to see. I thought it was pretty wild because like
1: did, he did do, he did do fucking Animal Boy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so did do Animal like, Boy. <laughs>
1: it's just that was, and I know we've obviously we covered that like on the podcast, but um, I've. I've definitely had a little bit more of an appreciation for that just as an aside. Um, cause I know, I think initially I had said like, you know, the tracks on those, the tracks that are good are really good. The tracks are, you know, a little weaker or weaker, but, um, overall, I think it's, it's, it's not a bad album. I, I don't think I ever thought it was a bad album, but, um, I've gained much more of an appreciation for it. And now even more so having seen him live, um, and getting that full experience, it's like, yeah, I can obviously I can still dig this this album. Um, so, dude, so I wanted to ask you because I know that you're you're a Depeche Mode guy, dude. So, what did you think of his cover? Like the first time you heard it, and then seen it being performed live.
0: So, when that second, um, that second full length of his came out, I was I immediately saw. Uh, you know, cellophane uh, you immediately saw that they did enjoy the silence. B- huge Depeche Mode mark. I was so pumped to see that and hear it. And I love the recording of it. And then the live version of it was even better than the recording. And it was just oh. so powerful and so awesome. I, uh, I, I like, to how
1: he has. You know, obviously he has one of his uh, his bandmates or whatever didn't that guy that was playing drums his basically his drum tech and the other drummer did he not also play guitar for a handful of songs or is that somebody else because I know he had kind of this like besides the bass player um, everyone was pretty set right in in the instruments that they were playing and maybe it, well, the other, no, dude, he had the guitarist that guitar looked like he was straight out of fucking, like, L.A. Guns or something. Yeah, right?
0: uh, Gigi like, Sleaze is his yeah, yeah. name. <laughs> dude,
1: that guy. Talk about creatures. Holy fuck. Dude, I, I love seeing those guys, too. Like, even whether it's walking around the venue beforehand or whatever. It's like, yep, you, you play in a band, uh, you, you stick out like a sore thumb, that fucking, like fucking mop a hair on your goddamn head like it's like 2019 and i just I love seeing that shit because we got some dudes like that out in albany too where it's like huh it's like all right so dude what do you do during
0: the day you know <laughs> he he actually he's been in a few different bands as far as the touring member and and that guitarist is actually from the um the texas uh area i think he's from dallas i want to say or maybe san antonio um, but he's actually, he's played with a bunch of different bands and stuff. Um, so I like half recognized him. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, great player too. Uh, really just, he knocked it out of the park. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, the, the whole, the, and, and I think too, they had a
1: good, they have good synergy. I, I, I don't know if you had mentioned this or, or like confirmed it or whatever, but like, I don't know the, I, I know the bass player has been part of the band like recording wise i believe you and i again talked about this in the car but i'm wondering how like as far as the people who helped him record the his two records versus the touring band because like obviously that synergy that's something you want to keep up as much as you can in a touring sense it's like we recorded this we know the songs and now we're playing them live we we just put together this record. Now we're gonna go perform it. You guys already know the songs. No one has to learn anything extra. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, so I, I'm 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 wondering how much crossover was there. But no, dude, the set was fucking the set was fan fucking tastic. And not only that, it's like for me, I know you got to meet him at, at the Syracuse show, and and obviously you got to see him again like after the show and all that shit. But but just seeing him and and having that interaction and just fucking. Fucking tall motherfucker, monster. <laughs> like oh, mustard. yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful, <laughs> or whatever the fuck he said. Because I had that fucking too tough to die promo. That yeah. I got. Like were were those assholes
0: like bringing like records? Oh like
1: yeah. He said like poster tube. It's just like I, I I did see people kind of bringing stuff, but I I don't know. I didn't. I saw I saw people having him sign his shit. Like, we were like, those guys are like, we're going to go out to the, like, the, the dude working the doors, like, motherfucker, these goddamn New Yorkers are going out to their cars again. Probably thought we were fucking, like, smoking dope or something. It's like, nope, we're going to get these things that we brought with us, yeah. you know, to have them sign.
0: Yeah, uh, what, what was your thoughts on actually meeting him, uh, you know, because he, he was obviously exhausted because he's 62-year-old uh, man.
1: I, I, was, I was very impressed to see him out there, and he was just super, like, super humble. But what I noticed, because when he walked out from his little green room, I noticed that he kind of was, like, staying there. Like, we were, like, one of the first maybe, what, like, five people that actually got to be like, oh, hey, uh, Rich, like, th- thanks for the show. Great work. Um, I, I thought it was great because he genuinely looked happy. You know, and he might oh, have been yeah. hitting. He might have been hitting For his sure. little vape pen. You know, smoking a little weed. I'm sure he was. But, but as far as like, as far as like him being appreciative, like he genuinely looked happy to meet everybody and and shake their hands and fucking take pictures and have them sign stuff. Like that to me, like that seals the deal like as far as like this makes the show because obviously the performance, the setup, the venue, um, you know, the set list itself, like everything was, was perfect. But then that capped it all off. It's like, you're not that guy. That's just there. Like, fuck when, you know, when the fuck we getting out of here, I got to be in Connecticut tomorrow, wherever I got to be in fucking Rhode Island tomorrow. Like he, he was genuinely like happy to see everyone. It was wonderful. And meeting him too. And, because, like, I, I'm in that same boat, too. I, I try not to smother people when I'm talking to them, like, pe- people of that stature, you know, somebody that you've you've worshipped and put on this weird pedestal growing up. So it was just like, hey, thanks very much for the music. Like, the set was fantastic. This is, you know, this has been great. And then having him sign something, just the, the minimal interaction that I had, it was, dude, it was great meeting him. Fucking did not look, did not look exhausted, a little sweaty, but did not look exhausted at all.
0: You know, he's just maybe. I mean, to to be able to do that at his age, at that level, especially coming off heart surgery, too, because this tour was postponed. It was initially going to be like a month or so, like prior or two months prior. I, yeah,
1: I think, dude, I think it was even I want to say it was even was it more than like July? it
0: might have even been spring. I think, I think the show was supposed to happen
1: may or july or something and, and it's funny they, i believe they were actually so the the show that we saw we got to see wimpy rutherford and the cryptics so they did an opening set with him and originally it was supposed to be um the show that was back in may or fucking july or whatever april it was supposed to be um oh, fuck danny vapid and the cheats i believe and danny vapid um of screeching weasel fame i'm pretty sure it it was some weird there was some weird tie-in uh with screeching weasel but i'm pretty sure danny vapid i think it was in the Chiefs. i think that's his current iteration i think he they were one of the opening bands so it was interesting to see now wimpy of the queers because obviously there's a huge there's a lot of you know crossover between both queers and screeching because ben and, and joe are like really good friends and they've rotated between you know musicians that they played with together and wrote songs and all that shit but um yeah i think i think start to finish dude it was just i'm glad you got to see the venue and we also i'm glad we also obviously got to see richie together that was fucking that was huge that was a big deal
0: that was a big deal to me yeah, it really was so um so i i get i guess uh to talk a little bit uh to to cap this off uh talk a little bit about their their um <clears throat> both CJ and Richie talk about their uh their albums um what are i mean for me i love all four of CJ's records um but american beauty does stand out to me
1: yeah i i think i think between the two as far as as far as the tracks themselves in, in how they sound and work together, um, nothing against Holy spell. I think it's a fucking phenomenal record, but I've noticed the, the flow of the album, at least for American beauty to me, um, it moves at a different pace. And I think overall the songs from that, especially having seen him on that tour. So obviously the shit that he played from his repertoire was basically that record. Um, and then with Holy Spell on this tour, same thing, you know, he, he well, I think he did like three, like three or four tracks off that. Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: those are the two albums I can speak to as far as like the material that I like, but I, I have to agree with you. Um, I, I like American beauty a lot, not just because it was the first time I got to see him like on that tour, but, um, you know, having picked up that album, um, you know, at his show when I saw him in Vermont and then picking up Holy Spell at that show in Syracuse when we saw him. Um, yeah, I've, I've spent a little bit more time with uh, with that record. And I, I think it's it, it, it's it's not that the not that Holy Spell's bad, um, but it's just it moves it moves a little bit more into the vein of, of when I'm like, yeah, this is CJ, you know, yeah, like, I do. I do love that <laughs> song um you know that steve soto track that he did yeah rock uh, on you know yeah like that's fantastic um but yeah but overall dude i mean american american beauty is (laughs) fucking really good
0: i'm really big on uh i mean i love all i love all the records i love uh reconquista uh i I love last chance to dance is awesome Like, especially the track, Last Chance to Dance, that feels like something that the Ramones actually should have had in a song. Like, that song we should have got out of CJ earlier so they could have played that, because that is like a a pure gold Ramones track. See, I I wonder, and and I'm sure, like,
1: if I were to guess, this would probably be something he never really would share, but, like, I'm wondering if, and this is a big if, I'm wondering if some of these tracks he's had kind of in the bank for a while. You know, like, I'm wondering if there are any B-sides of any of this shit, or, like, like if there's any B-sides of One High, One Low, where he's like, right. oh, yeah, I, I did demo this with these guys. I tried to contribute, and it was kind of like, eh, you know, we'll pass on this one, or, you know, maybe on the next one. Like, I'm wondering if there are any of these. Um, and, and again, like I said, it's a very big if, but, uh, but I'm wondering if, I'd love... For that to come out, um, you know, in fucking twenty years or something, when when fucking Linda decides to release her fucking claws from something, and it's like, well, here's a bunch of B-side shit from that era of Ramones, <laughs> you know, like that would be cool. I, I I would find that very interesting to hear them fucking demo some of that shit.
0: Give me uh, give me some of your favorite CJ recorded tracks off these uh, four full lengths. Uh,
1: dude, CJ, you want so. I can, so I will, I'll be fucking straight up, Uh, Reconquista and, like, Last Chance to Dance, apart from, like, listening to them digitally, because I do not own them, I am not going to be able to speak to those as well, I've done, like, a couple listens throughs, between between Last Chance to Dance and Reconquista, I, I like... Reconquista, I I would say a little better, just because it sounds a little bit more raw um, and a little quicker. Sounds a little bit more like a a punk record, if recollection serves me well. Um, But as far as between American Beauty and uh, and Last Chance or in uh, Holy Spell, dude, I mean, fucking Girlfriend in a Graveyard is hilarious, and that's one that he did. That's that's one he did, I believe, up in uh, in Vermont. And it's just—I don't know—I I love all that shit. Run around, dude. Steady as she goes, like all that shit. It's—it's it's, these are these are great fucking. And when I say higher energy, I mean in the sense that you know uh, a, a mid to late fifties punk rocker high energy. This is—I'm not talking like this is not like a Descendants energy. This is what CJ is going to do. His take on rock and roll and and his brand of punk rock because i do think he he taps into especially in holy spell he taps a little bit more into like uh and i hate using this term but like he taps a little bit more into like roots
0: rock and roll yeah americana rock and roll correct whereas whereas american american beauty
1: that's it, it obviously there's a lot of those elements but he still keeps some teeth to it you know like right. let's go let's go is a rock and roll song at its core it's, it's a straight up fucking stripped down rock and roll song and uh i love hearing that i love hearing that on the record seeing it live let's go is just like that's fucking yeah fuck yeah <laughs>
0: you know yeah uh some standout tracks for me uh because i do uh i've spent enough time with all all the records um I really like Three Angels from uh Reconquista. Um obviously about Johnny Joey and Didi. Like that was just so so cool. It's a nice little tribute. Um and I was I was a really big fan of that one. Um as far as uh last chance to to dance, I love the title track. I love uh Mr. Uh Kalashnikov. Uh those are just like standout tracks. to just Love those ones so much. I think that they're they, he just they are really solid records. Um American Beauty, uh, Runaround is such a fun fucking song. Uh like you said, Girlfriend in the Graveyard is another one. Uh uh, Be a Good Girl, uh, and Moral of the Story were were two tracks too that were like back to back tracks that I that I love. Um, from American Beauty. And then uh Holy Spell, uh One High and One Low is like such a fun opening track. Um, and then I'm trying to think, uh, like, stand-up, uh, I do like, and Blue, Blue Skies, Blue Skies is definitely my favorite off that uh, record, uh, just like a cool, cool pop, punk rock song, I love it.
1: Yeah, his, because uh, he also, he definitely, did he, so he worked with Bill Stevenson from Descendants on that, on Holy Spell, Correct. I think I remember seeing him in the studio recording it. Maybe not. I could be wrong about that. But I know because it was released through Fat Records, and I know at, I, I'm pretty sure that like Descendants, like their last uh, their last record, and they did subsequent re-releases. They're with Fat now too. Um, so I'm wondering if Bill Stevenson. Uh, the drummer from Descendants, I'm wondering if he had anything to do with that. So I'm pretty sure I saw him, some studio, like, photos with him sitting there doing some mixing or um, doing some editing. So it's cool that, you know, obviously to to cap off his solo career, as he had, you know, explained in that uh, podcast that you had sent me to listen to, um, you know, he made the announcement, like, you know, this is it as far as C.J. Ramon solo is concerned doesn't mean he's going to stop playing music but um you know as far as his solo stuff like that's it you know Uh,
0: uh, as far as um as far as uh you know his solo stuff yeah i i know he toured the aquabats uh a bunch i i do hope that him and richie do get together and do some shows as uh you know the you know just paying tribute to the ramon songs i would love to see them both like playing together ramon songs
1: Oh, yeah. And, and right now he's actually in the midst of a tour. Um, well, I use that term loosely. I think it's like a series. It's a string of like four or five like Christmas shows. Um, he's been doing and he did it before, too, with uh, Me First in the Gimme Gimme. that like yep. rock, punk rock cover band uh, super group or whatever. Um, so it's cool to see him still doing that because that looks like a lot of fun you know and i think at this point like he's obviously always had fun but this is a different thing where it's like i get up there i play fucking cover songs of rock pop country whatever i do it with a punk rock flair we dress up like fucking like 70s fucking lounge singers and we get get a little shitty
0: get a little tipsy and fucking have fun with it you know like good, good good for fucking him dude you fucking deserve it you deserve it you know so what, from the Richie, the two Richie records, uh, what are some of your favorite uh, tracks? So, like,
1: obviously, like, is fucking great.
0: Um, oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Dude, dude, hearing the story in that Eric Blair interview, I'm pretty sure it was in the Eric Blair interview, yeah. where he described, I fixed this. Like, he described what that song is
1: about. I'm, I think it was from there. Um, that weird, like, tour manager was like, oh, I fixed this. I fixed this. Yeah, like, oh, it's wrong.
0: so like, fucking good. Dude, hearing the song, you know,
1: obviously accompanying that, um, it, he, I just, I like the fact, like, he, is, he does such a good job of pulling from his, like, weird experiences. Because, like, you know that that song in particular um, is something that, like, his touring band and like his tour, you know his touring musicians like that is an inside joke and I love that I love that he's worked that into a song
0: because like when he wrote it he was probably like dude let's fucking write a song about fucking Fwad or whatever his name is Yeah, you know, like our touring guy like I fixed this like it's just that's, that is fucking hilarious um, yeah definitely definitely those two tracks um,
1: so, what is it, Entitled, or, yeah, yep. Entitled, I have not spent a lot of time with, I think I listened to it digitally, um, so I, I, I can't even fucking, like, pull a fucking track out of my ass right now, and I know you're gonna mention, like, two or three of them, and be like, oh shit, yeah, those, um, but he, yeah, from, from, from those, definitely, Braggadocio is fucking hilarious as fuck, and, uh, I, I just love, my fixes. I think it's fucking,
0: it's great and uh pretty poison is that that would oh great song that is an older song that was a song he wrote during the ramones that he never used no shit yep see in that to me like that could easily i could easily hear joey crooning over that like that oh yeah that's a ramones song um yeah dude those three i think
1: for me on that record are are standout because pretty poison you know you can the the way he delivers the lyrics, obviously in his in his strange way of doing so, but it's just great content. It's fucking it's relatable.
0: <laughs> exactly, know? it's relatable. So um, so tracks uh, from entitled that I mean the, the he obviously does like some some you know rehashes like smash you. Uh, i'm not jesus humankind um and those are awesome and on the vinyl if you can pick up this vinyl please do it because he re-records uh somebody put something in my drink and that is a is an awesome re-record um but from entitled uh i really like uh take obviously without saying you know smash you i'm not jesus humankind which are obviously songs i love but uh take my hand is really uh really good and uh forgotten years is really good and Forgotten Years is almost like, I think, I don't know if it's like what he's actually talking about, but it really, I, I mean, I don't, I think it's just a bunch of things that he's talking about. Cause I think it's like, you know, when he's like not in the Ramones anymore and he's like a, you know, a forgotten guy, or I don't know if he's, you know, when he was in the Ramones and like people kind of glaze over his career in the Ramones and he talks about that, that era of the Ramones being forgotten, but if anything i hope us uh, screaming i want to live back to him i hope he knows that that era is uh, alive and well in our hearts and definitely not forgotten well i also have to give you props too because
1: your uh delivery of uh, it, what was it the last part of the uh second verse and smash you when he essentially handed you that mic that video
0: oh yeah know, it's up, it's on, it. it's floating within instagram dude it's fucking Spot the fuck on, dude. It sounds so fucking good. Well, spend half our life singing, and we got to know dude, something, right? <laughs> it just sounded, dude. It sounded fucking great.
1: So I got did awesome because he knew. Like I said, he was working the fucking stage. He knew who
0: was singing. Yeah, exactly. He knew, who, he
1: knew which people or which little gaggles.
0: I um, knew who the true fans were. I knew. I knew who they were. Dude, so so <laughs> I, he, could, he, I could. I could. I could. I could sense them, is what I could. Uh, but yeah, off uh Cellophane like Braggadocio is just so fucking fun, pretty poison, uh just really cool. And he actually put out a he actually put out a, a track said uh it's called The Last Time about the his father dying. That was really fuck really cool fucking song. Uh and that was just like a single and it was really cool. And he did play that one Yeah, saw he him. did, yep. Because he had said it. I, I'm pretty sure he had said,
1: it, you know, this this song was written for my father. Or, you know, he had some explanation. Maybe he didn't, but, like, I I, I remember him saying something um, on stage about, like, kind of addressing it a little bit. Yeah. Um, which has got to be rough. But, yeah, dude, fucking great track. Great track. He has the ability to be intense and fucking, you know.
0: Lighthearted like all at the same time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But, uh... Yeah, that just about does it, but, I mean, we can't really stress enough how much uh, we love both uh, CJ and Richie. I mean, Richie is obviously probably uh, just as overlooked, if not more, than CJ, and uh, they shouldn't be because they're amazing musicians, amazing songwriters, amazing contributors. Uh, you know, the only two other Ramones out of the four, five, six, seven Ramones, you know, not counting Elvis. Um Shh that two of the three non-original members from the seven that contributed to songwriting
1: contributed to songwriting, but also to me, and and this even speaks more volumes, they've maintained a career afterwards and they've put out multiple records now of their own material.
0: Yeah, they've sustained on their own merits, not just on the name of the
1: Ramones. Right. And I, and I think that that's, to me, that's a big deal, um, you know. As far as they're not they're not doing a karaoke show, um, you know, they're not touring fucking South America doing karaoke shows of like Ramon stuff. Where it's just straight up, here's an hour of every single Ramon's fucking track. You know, they're right. they're out there, they're sprinkling it in, but they're also playing their own stuff. They're repping their own fucking mind, which I fucking love. Uh, that that to me says speaks volumes over some of the other single member that's left that uh, is just doing a karaoke track you're a karaoke set
0: you know yeah exactly so uh but yeah that just about does it you've uh, listened to uh yet again uh, uh an additional hour and 20 minute plus uh Ramone's talk from mr lewis smith and myself for the heart guide media podcast uh but yeah uh check out uh check out lou's band on if you're into some uh some good old-fashioned punk rock um on instagram uh, nine votes short um you guys got any shows coming up
1: uh yeah we uh we got a show coming up at savoy in albany on the 29th um we're gonna be up in saratoga the first part of march um on a monday actually which is a little bizarre but we uh we have a couple other shows we're, we're piecing together now for the spring uh, and at the end of february uh we're gonna be in massachusetts for like a sunday matinee show uh we're playing that with a band of sky tigers from mass who's who's fucking phenomenal so definitely check those guys out um we're on yeah we're on instagram we're on spotify um i believe we're also on itunes at this point i I can't i can't remember if we are or not but i know we're on spotify nor on bandcamp and uh we got an ep coming out here um we're we're have got an EP coming out uh, right around Christmas time too, which is coming up. So, little little three pe- three track EP for for everyone of uh, original shit. So we're excited about that. So thank you for having me on, Jesse. This is as always
0: a fucking treat, dude. Always, man. Uh, and yeah, if uh, if you've listened to this and dive back into our additional hourage of uh, Ramones talk. Um, Check out some CJ and some uh, Richie solo tracks, uh, because there's definitely a lot in there to uh, dig in and enjoy. So uh, once again, thank you. It's heart guy media podcast. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at heart. God media rate and review on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google play, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can get it. And uh, yeah, long live the Ramones.